Bandwidth for all shows on the Aussie Tech Heads network is supplied by Aussie Tech Heads Web Hosting. For a fast, affordable and reliable Australian server with fantastic support, contact Aussie Tech Heads Web Hosting at aussietechheads.com.au. Aussie Tech Heads, Australia's best hosting service. to episode 438 of the Aussie Tech Heads. As you can see, I'm not Glenn, but uh, he'll be back again next week. As always, we're proudly sponsored by ATH Web Hosting. Check out the Aussie Tech Heads web hosting site and sign up for cPanel. Setting up email is a breeze. Aussie Tech Heads Web Hosting is at athwebhosting.com.au. Due to popular request, this show is hosted by Will and Jason, the top two podcasting hosts in Australia. We're on three <laughs> shows it. now. You can't stop us. That's it. We're taking over slowly, one by one. We've only got that Aussie Max own thing, and then we're good. All right. <laughs> How are you doing this week, Will? Not bad, mate. Not bad. It's good to see you back. It's been a while. Good to see you back. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about your computer woes. Tell us about your computer woes. Oh, but yeah, well, most of the listeners would know from last week how things have been. It's been uh, fun, to say the least. I think I've got most of it figured out now. Turns out it was actually my backup causing the problems, not Skype. So Skype was triggering it, but it wasn't causing it. Weirdly, I don't know. And then I put another program on last night called VPN, which is actually a DJing program. Um, like a, yeah, more like a mixing, like Red Studio sort of program um, for, you know, song selection, stuff like that. And... It's got a really neat feature. Oh. It's got Instacrash. It actually crashes as you're making the second click to launch it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like, that's how quickly it activates. It's fantastic. Nice. Man, you got all the bad softwares. Oh, it's going, going great, Buster. It's okay. I'll have Windows. Will apps, highly so recommends it. not using the following products. <laughs> Yeah, so just lucky, I guess. But um, I think part of the problem with the backup software, and I'm, I'm slightly narrowing it down, is because I've got like seven drives in my computer. I think yeah. it's freaking it out a little bit. I got two. <laughs> one SSD and one ID. Well, I got, it's I got two SSDs. So I've got my boot drive and my games drive. And then I've got my two drives, my two one terabytes that are my RAID drives for my recording. And then I've got my two two terabytes that are rated for storage. And then I've got my one terabyte that's just a miscellaneous crap drive. And then I've got um, my old drive out of my NAS, which is actually currently in the system because my NAS died and I need to back it up, and that's the only way to do it. So, yeah, so I've got a couple of drives in there, and I think it's just... Seven drives, it. four monitors. Um, seven monitors. Seven monitors. Yeah, I'll show you the setup in another <laughs> couple. It's a work in progress, but I've got it. I've got them making up a cabinet at the moment to put the monitors in, and I'll have seven. I'll have seven monitors set up. How many gigabytes of RAM? Uh, Thirty-two. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it you? You were showing me a game the other night, and you you started up, and it's like your computer system rocks. <laughs> yeah. yeah we recommend like the highest possible settings for absolutely everything. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious, actually. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to do that. <laughs> Some programmer's yeah, that was, got a good um, sense of humour, right? 
What was that? Uh, what was that called? I don't know. The program I just installed. One of your it. Steam yeah, block, ones. And, block and load or something. And yeah, you load it up and it starts off and it takes you down this hallway uh-huh. and it must be doing a computer scan whilst it's doing it. And it gets to the end of the hallway and it's like, oh, by the way, you can turn everything up to the maximum setting if you want. <laughs> Are you <laughs> game like, to though? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yep. of course. The Let us know the <laughs> frames per second. Um, 150-odd. With everything turned on, that's not bad. Yeah. Well, I've got I've got two um, I've got two um. Sorry, I won't. Have, I'll have six monitors, not seven. My bad. I've got two. Oh well, cross-fired. that's a huge difference, isn't it? <laughs> I got two cross-fired video cards, so I've got an eight gig, effectively one eight gig video card, plus two four gig cards. And the Windows separate. copes with it. Linux, not quite. Linux. Like the one, the one card that functions, like it knows how to use it and it does a really good job of it, but they just cannot figure out multi-card. Um, it just doesn't know. Poor Linux, still not there. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I think if I was using, I'm using um, ATIs. I think if I was using NVIDIA cards, it would be a different story. But apparently, yeah, the AMD stuff. Just Speaking still... of cards, I heard something on a podcast today that Windows 10 has a bit of problem with AMD graphics cards at the moment. So. That's not Shouldn't. good. That's pretty native. I don't know. Well, I haven't had any problems in my um, virtual machine. Yep. So, virtual although speaking here. of um, the Windows 10, it's not necessarily going to be free for everybody, which is hmm. uh, a bit of a letdown. Um, is that your segue apparently... into a news article that we should be talking about right there? No, I'm not. I'm not that smooth. <laughs> Um, but if I was, you know, Windows 10 upgrades won't be free for everyone. Do you qualify? Apparently, there's fine print in there. They have their free upgrade offer where they're saying, um, basically, you know, they're saying that they'll offer free upgrade to Windows 10 for qualified new existing Windows 7, Windows 8.1, Windows Phone 8.1 device, blah, blah, blah. Then you read the fine print. It's our intent that most of these devices will qualify, but some won't. And effectively, if you sort of read into that, <clears throat> uh, if you're running Windows 10 Preview, um, you need to ask if it's properly licensed to run Windows 10. If it's a physical machine, as in... Oh, sorry, if it's a virtual machine, then you won't. If it's a physical machine with basically a PC that's sold through a commercial and retail channel and comes with a version of Windows pre-installed, uh, you qualify. If it's a Mac with Mac OS that's bootcamped, you don't qualify. If it's a um, homemade PC uh, or a naked PC that doesn't have an OS on it, you won't qualify. Um, if you have a proper license for Windows 7, Service Pack 1 or 8.1, you can claim the free upgrade within a year of launch, assuming that you have a legit copy. Um, and yeah, so Boot Camp doesn't qualify, even though it is technically a legit copy of Windows. Yep. Um, so there's going to be quite a few. So yeah, no operating system. Windows XP or Vista, obviously, apart from the fact your system's probably too old to run it anyway. Mm. Uh, Windows RT can't be upgraded to Windows 10, so it won't qualify. OS X, any version with Boot Camp, won't qualify. If it's pre-installed, a lot of the pre-installed stuff now won't qualify because a lot of the pre-installed stuff on a lot of laptops and things like that don't have a Windows key. Damn. It's an OEM copy of Windows, um, but it only includes personal usage rights, which for some bizarre reason... Um, Windows, Microsoft removed personal usage right from Windows 8.1, which means you can't use an OEM copy to upgrade to Windows 10. So Why do they have to make it so complicated? I don't know. So just because you think you're entitled to a free copy of Windows means you need to learn how to use torrents. No, I mean, <laughs> means you may not be. 
Or you live in China. Yeah. <laughs> in which case, you're not entitled. Doesn't to matter. Anything. You're not entitled. You're, yeah, you're, you're not entitled, entitled, but you don't anything. care anyway because you're going to get it. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of making things complicated, thank you, Microsoft. Microsoft will release seven editions. It's oh, this yeah, many no, right? of its new Windows That's... 10 operating system. Okay, here's three. Starter with basic stuff, home with more stuff, business with more stuff. That'll do, right? Yeah. Because well, there's a huge difference between Enterprise, Ultimate. <laughs> well, no, because then you've got the mobile version, which I think they're classing. So there's another version. Yep, yep. Then they've got their RT or whatever it is. And then they've got RT's probably not like, going to get it. Then they've probably got RT's like... RT's dead uh, in the ground if you've got RT, you yeah, sucker. Well. But having said that, I was just reading an article about how the new brand new Service 3 that Microsoft's just announced that Intel um, will run Windows 10. Yeah, that would be uh, Intel or some LTL or something, wouldn't it? Yeah, so it's yeah. going to be a Surface 3, but they're not going to use their own operating system on it. They're going to use their PC operating system instead of their mobile operating system, which is the whole reason they come up with a mobile operating system so you didn't use the PC. Ow, my head hurts. <laughs> Businesses and larger organizations are target with Windows 10 Enterprise and Windows 10 Enterprise Mobile. The former provides enterprise-oriented features. Does that mean they're Asian? They're oriented to help people develop protect against security threats targeted at devices, identities, applications, and sensitive company information. Customers of the volume licensing program will be able to use the recently announced Windows update for business, which allows larger corporations to roll out new features and technology at their own pace. Enterprise customers can also choose to deploy the new long-term servicing branch of Windows 10 for mission-critical environments. This provides only security updates and no additional features. Software assurance customers can also upgrade to Windows 10 if their subscriptions are active. Microsoft is hoping businesses will turn to Windows 10 Mobile Enterprise for portable devices such as smartphones and smaller tablets. The two Enterprise editions will also show up in other business scenarios such as deployment in automated telemachines. That's always a good idea to put Windows in those. Have you ever seen yeah, those crash? Hilarious. Yeah. Cause, you Here's know, some money. Ka-ching! Actually, it's a little bit off topic. My boss asked me today, he goes, how do you spell FPOS? I went, really? electronic funds transfer point of sale. Oh, well, that makes sense. Why Is that what it stands for? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I just thought it was some weird word that I could never spell. <laughs> Tell him what's uh, PCMCI, people can't memorize computer industry acronyms. That's it. <laughs> Microsoft is also going for the embedded market targeting developers with slimmed down version of the new operating system called Windows 10 Internet of Things Core. Yeah, because that's nice and compact. <sighs> that rolls off the tongue. Windows 10 IoT Core is aimed at low power cheap devices like network gateways, wearables to small computing devices like popular Raspberry Pi 2 boards and Arduino kits. I don't want my ADSL or NBN, which I'll never get, router running Windows 10. IoT, thank you very much. Consumer and home users being offered Windows 10 Home and Windows 10 Mobile. These will be integrated and able to share data and connectivity in similar fashion to Apple's OS X and iOS desktop and mobile systems. To entice users to upgrade their existing operating systems, Microsoft is for the first time offering three full versions of Windows 10, Windows 10 Mobile, Windows 10 Pro, except for the things that we'll already mention. Yeah, the mobile devices, yeah. Users must be running Windows 7, Windows 8.1, and Windows Phone 8.1 devices that upgrade in the first year after launch to qualify to receive Windows 10, except for those things that we'll already mention. 
What I want to know, has, have you seen a pricing on Windows 10 yet? It's free, I just said. Oh, you're not even listening, are you? No, you know what I mean. Like, no. they have they actually released the pricing structure yet? No, no. I didn't think so. Um, end of July is when the apparently it'll be coming out. So I mean, it's not going to matter. It's going to be free or free, so it doesn't really matter. Yep. <laughs> it'll be free one way or the other. <laughs> That's right. Speaking of free operating systems... Linux. Ubuntu, yeah. Ka-ching. Um, Ubuntu. So Mark Shuttlesworth, who um, is... How much is a Mark of... Shuttlesworth? <laughs> uh, he's worth about a... Canonical. Um, so Canonical founder Mark Shuttlesworth, he basically... He's had this vision ages ago, but it's just starting to come to fruition. I like fruit. Fruit tuition. Fruit tuition. It's <laughs> educated fruit. It's fruit-tastic. Um, he's, um, he's basically... Obviously, it's a Chinese, major Chinese manufacturer. They've made smartphones for a while, a few other different things. Um, but what they're doing now is they're actually releasing a uh, Linux-based or a Ubuntu-specifically-based smartphone. Um, and it's more than just a smartphone in the traditional sense. So what they've been doing for a while is they've been making these um, sort of... I guess, in, in appearance, they're, they're a smartphone, but they come with a full-blown workstation. So, basically, you get to work, you drop the, or get to home, drop the handset into a, effectively a docking station, it comes up, you've got a full monitor, keyboard, mouse, stereo speakers, everything, you know, so it basically turns your phone into a full office, effectively. Um, as many other things, but they've been doing stuff like that. So, but what they're looking at doing now is is incorporating... Ubuntu into that because Android, they have been using variations of Android and a few other things, but um, they want it to be more or less like an actual desktop. So they want to basically make it run Windows 8 so you can run Office um, and all that sort of stuff. But then they're like, okay, well, hang on. If we do that, then we've got to pay those licensing fees. Okay, well, let's just run Ubuntu because they have OpenOffice. They have all this equivalent. Now, if they have Linux running on there... They could also have an Android emulator running on the Linux, right? Like you've got for your desktop yeah. for Windows. Yeah, you can use Andy. Well, Andy runs on Linux because it's just a jar. Well, there you go. It's, it's a VM, sorry. So it runs on Linux. It runs under iOS. So you could run that. You can run Wine to run Windows or I Windows like Wine. apps. I've run out there. I'll have to go to the shops later. <laughs> um, so as well as being lightweight, obviously, because Ubuntu can be fairly well stripped down just to have, you know, the less code you've got, the faster it runs. Uh, so it will be that. Plus, it will be a full, you know, powerhouse of stuff. And with the hardware they're using uh, in phones these days, you know, you're talking octa-core processors and stuff like that. Snapdragon. So they're pretty intense. Yeah, you know, they're they're pretty intense um, systems. So if you've got Ubuntu with a decent graphics card running on an eight eight core, even if it is only like a two point two or whatever, it is running on an eight core processor. You know, with the sixteen gig of RAM and all that sort of stuff that's built into the four, phone. Four K screen. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's going to be a pretty intense little mobile phone. And from what I can gather, it's going to have... Free gloves like, that come with it so you can hold onto it without burning your hands. It's going to have a normal sort of smartphone um, switch. So when you, um, you're using it as a smartphone, it's basically scaled down. It just runs entry-level stuff it needs to run. Um, but then when you dock it, yeah, it runs these full-on, you know, full-on hardware software things. So, hmm. yeah, it's uh, 
it's pretty cool. So it'd be interesting to see. Um, interesting to see where that leads. Hopefully that comes to fruition because that would be. I mean, there's been a few attempts at it, but none of them have really worked. Um, either the hardware's just been too slow and too Firefox painful, or they've thing. used something like. Yeah, well, they've used something like Android, which is great on a mobile device, but really clunky if you try to make a desktop. So Yeah, and um, the JVM's not that great for doing high-quality 3D graphics and stuff, which is why people no. who... most A lot of apps on Android are just made in Java, but the really hardcore ones that do the 3D graphics for street racing and stuff is still in C++. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. If ever anyone's never seen one of our podcasts, why not? And this is the usual format that they end up taking. So if you like this format, you'll like all the other stuff. Yeah, well, don't forget we've got Obsidian Loft, which is was primarily our Minecraft. It is slowly evolving into uh, voxel-based gaming and gaming in general in a lot of, lot of senses. Um, as things change, obviously, Minecraft, is popularity is plateaued i wouldn't say it's waning but it's plateaued at this point so we, you know we're, we're we're changing with the times and we also do old fart geeks which can also be found on um youtube and all the usual places as well and uh that's basically me as myself and warlock and uh glenn's already committed to come on in a couple of weeks once his house gets repainted yep. which by the way is why he's not here tonight the fumes uh, his house is being repainted and apparently i don't know lead fumes are bad for you or something i don't know <sighs> but um yeah, so you know we have we have old fart geeks, which is basically us sitting around talking about technology that we used to have. From days gone by. Yeah, which um, ironically I have a story about that later. But yeah, so check us out. You can find us on the uh, Aussie Tech Heads Radio, where we've we've got our shows on there, and currently they're ranked like one and two or something. Just FYI. Um, so you can listen <laughs> lots of uh, Australian podcasts streaming from AussieTechRadio.com. Yep. Two blokes talking tech. The Obsidian Loft, Minecraft Podcast, Old Fart Geeks, Geeks Fear, Your Tech Life, and more. Yep. yep. So check so that out. You can me. stream it to your device, stream it to your desktop. It uh, constantly gets updated with new episodes of all of those podcasts when they come out. And you can also apparently selectively pick the best ones, i.e. Obsidian Loft and uh, Old Fart Geeks. That's it. <laughs> it yep, turns exactly. out. You just put them on repeat and, and go for it. And, um, if you're like um, Milo, you go to sleep listening to us, which I don't know if that says anything, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if that's a good thing. I have to admit, and and this is sort of something I found quite interesting. I'm, I'm honestly, if if anybody does listen to the crossover shows, they listen to those and those. I really thank you guys um, for the support, especially for old fart geeks. I get Obsidian Loft is very niche, so we're not expecting huge numbers on that. But the numbers we're seeing on Old Fart Geeks is absolutely amazing. And I, for the guys who do do crossovers, and I'll, I'll mention this next week when we do a recording on Old Fart Geeks too. But I really want to thank you guys. Um, it really, you know, inspires us to continue to do what we do because we can see the numbers are the numbers are there and people enjoy it. So for a couple of introverted guys, what don't talk much outside the house? We talk a lot on the internet. <laughs> That's it. Not in the entire world, but we won't talk to our neighbour. That's why I got this T-shirt in the cupboard that says, I'm a lot cooler on the internet. <laughs> I need to get me one of them. <laughs> that was one of those. I think, uh, where did I get that from? Best and Less. My daughter wanted to buy something oh, in okay. there, so she was looking through girly stuff. So I was like, oh, I'll just have a wander around. Oh, I've got to get this one. That sounds really cool. 
And I can't say too much this week. However, next week you need to listen to this show because I will be having a very special announcement that not many people know about. Dun, so. dun, dun. You'll hear it first here. Well, actually, you'll probably hear it first on Facebook, but you'll hear it second here. <laughs> I don't get Facebook read out to me by an audio reader, so I probably won't hear it you on don't? Facebook. <laughs> what? What's wrong with you, man? Yeah, that would be nuts. Can you imagine listening <laughs> no, to people's no. posts from Facebook? No, I couldn't. Yeah, you could get little things like the little chumby box that you can sit in the corner yeah. there and it'll read out your Twitter feed. Yeah, because that's not annoying enough. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> you think 140 characters is way too much for some people. <laughs> Uh, too much free free license. <laughs> okay, Australians say they have been left without medication or food after online payment service PayPal double dipped into their bank accounts by accident. Mm. Customers expressed outrage on the company's Facebook page on Thursday when they learned that they wouldn't be reimbursed their fund for three business days, a total of five days out of pocket when the weekend is factored in. One distressed customer said she had run out of medication when she, which she needed as a matter of survival and received no assistance when she contacted the company. Another customer published a snapshot of his bank account showing he'd been temporarily robbed more than $1,000 as a result of a duplicate transaction. Other users complained that they'd been on hold to PayPal for up to two hours on the phone with no response. Customers were flooding onto the Facebook page from early on Thursday, several hours before PayPal finally published an official statement on the page. It told customers they didn't need to contact the company as they would be automatically reimbursed, but it would be three days later. PayPal Australia would not respond to questions as to how many were affected, other than to say it was aware of the error and would reimburse all affected customers. So... See what happens when PayPal is going to be extracted from eBay. It all goes. <laughs> I was about to say, it's... is it coincidence? <laughs> Hasn't happened yet, but we had the same. The company I work for just got acquired, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, ever since you got acquired by so and so, your whole company's gone to crap." I'm like. Nothing's happened yet. We just made the announcement. It hasn't actually started any acquiring <laughs> procedures. Every server is where it was. Your account is where it was. The same people work here. Absolutely nothing changed from last month. And just uh, people take anything. I'm actually just checking my PayPal because <laughs> I haven't actually checked it. I don't think I had enough money in there for it to come out twice, so it shouldn't. <laughs> doesn't yours automatically come out of the bank account, the top up, though, when it's missing? Uh no, well, yeah, but that bank account hasn't got any money in it either. Uh, so. <laughs> like all that's your other actually, accounts. <laughs> well, I actually have a PayPal bank account. Oh, that's a good idea. Um, I've got a separate one. Well, two reasons. One is I've got the um, I've got the PayPal here or whatever it is, or one oh, the one yeah. mobile machine that lets you pay in. So it was just easier to to have a separate account going into it, so I could monitor what was going in. But, of course, then it has this benefit as well. If something does go pear-shaped or someone logs into my PayPal account and they get my details or even my my credit, my well, debit card that's linked to that account, there's only there's usually only enough money in there to pay. I usually transfer it across as I'm using it. So it's not Good a big idea. deal. I'm not worried if somebody hacks my PayPal account. Like, it's not going to achieve them anything. You'd have two-factor same as me, right? No, I turned that off because I was in an area a few weeks ago. I did the same no, with Google. I was in an area a few weeks ago where I had no phone signal. I, was I, using I actually the... bought their little secure ID card, which had a changing code that was timed in with the chipset to the PayPal yep. servers. And you could push a button on there and it would generate the number that you could type in 
but then the battery went flat. So I'd just been using yep. my mobile, but I had the same experience not that long ago. And I was just here, which is very close to the CBD, and I was purchasing something. I sent through about three SMS codes for secondary authentication, and eventually, after about 10 minutes, three codes came in all at once. So, yeah. well, was it? I was I was out um at west and i was using the wi-fi yeah, that the post office had um, but there was no phone signal there so i'm like i had the same problem with um gmail because yep. i was logging in from an unknown ip address it went hey i'm going to send you authentication i went well you can try <laughs> So I've had to turn it off. That was that's, the that's Google was the only one I set my own password for. Everything else uses LastPass, but when I get a new phone, and I have to look up the password to log into my Google account so I can sync stuff, but I haven't installed LastPass on the phone yet because I haven't installed anything on the phone yet. But I need to install, and I was like, okay, instead of going to my desktop, I might be out at the shops where I just bought it. I want to try it now. I'm not one of these people who would, yeah. oh, you must charge this for four hours before you use it. Nah, that damn thing's coming nah. out of the wrapper and switching yep. on straight away. Same <laughs> as this, right. which is my new toy. Check this out. Have you befriended Glenn yet? Glenn's my yeah, friend. Glenn's yeah, he let me do his show. Um, <laughs> this is no, my, new, yeah, my new Fitbit uh, Surge. It's an awesome watch. It's got a swipeable screen, just like the Apple one. It tells you your steps and calories and floors and all that stuff. And it's got a nice little um, clock, which has a radial of rays that go out from the center. And the further they go out means the more activity you did during that minute. So you can see, oh, between you know 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. when I was going into the office, I did a lot of walking. And then while I was in the office sitting down answering phone calls all day, I didn't have that much movement. And then lunchtime, the spikes start going high again. So he's he's got me on a challenge for Fitbit. I'm in four different challenges at the moment because I start one with some friends. I start another one with some other friends. Glenn invited me to one. Then my ex invited me to one. <laughs> so <sighs> you're giving the pebble the flick? At the moment, yes. <laughs> Because I really want Fitbit, and I had the Fitbit One, which clipped onto my pants, but it, it was on my pocket, and every time I pulled out hanky or keys, it'd fall on the floor, and I'd forget about it. But uh, the main thing was, uh, my ex actually got my daughter the Thin Strip One, mm -hmm. and it just has plastic lugs that stick into the rubber band, and it's extremely difficult to push two lugs into the band while it's on your wrist, and... Um, even if we did it in the morning for her, when she goes to school, she'd be running along doing athletics for school. And when her arm moves like this, it goes flying off over there somewhere. So she has to stop the race that she's in the middle of, run over there, pick up the Fitbit, come back, and everyone else has finished the race, so there's not much point. So um, we upgraded her. She got my Fitbit one, which she can clip on here, there, everywhere, on her clothing and stuff like that, and still get measured, and <clears throat> it has less chance. So then we were returning... The thin one, I was like, well, I don't want a thin band one. I would like to upgrade. And um, we said to Lady in Officeworks, this one's really crap. just keeps falling off and you can hardly put it on in the first place. And she sat there five minutes fiddling with it, trying to put her on her arm. We're like, see, you can see exactly why this happens. It's obviously a terrible product. And so we said, we just want to swap it out and I want to get this one, the Surge. And um, she had a look around the shop and she said, oh, the only one that we've got in stock is the same as the one you brought in. 
You're like, do you think there's a reason why that one is still on the shelves, not bought by anybody, and all the other products in that range have been sold out? Yeah. Because they're good, and that one is not. So, yeah. after a bit of chatting, we got a refund and then went to a different office works just up the road and they had this one. So, I was like, yoink, win. <laughs> so, I was very happy yeah. with that. But, yeah, it does a lot of good stuff. When it, if you do your um, 10,000 steps uh, goal for the day, it vibrates and has this, like, explosion of fireworks go off on the screen. Which got me the first time I did. I didn't know that would happen. So, I'm just walking <laughs> along suddenly... I'm like, what the hell is that? Psh, 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 psh. I was like, oh, that's way cool. I love that. Yeah, dear. Really good stuff. You're Fitbit's easily amused. Awesome. I know. <laughs> Not getting an Apple Watch. Not going to get a, uh, maybe Android wear one time, but I don't want to wear two things. And Fitbit's really good for exercise, which I need to do lots of, which I don't. So. Well, if they incorporated a Fitbit into, like, incorporated one of the other million wearable devices in, with a Fitbit, it'd be great. Yeah, they need to open up their API so that there can be more devices that use their product, but I think they want to sell the hardware, so... Yeah, I think they'll get over that eventually. But this one also does your um, heart rate, because it's got the... Um, you can probably see underneath there is yeah, the metal, some LED. Metal you can see the LED lights flashing, and there's a little camera in there to measure the reflection back. So it measures your heart rate, which is currently 86 beats per minute resting, which is not too bad. Yeah, that's that's not bad. You're only you've only got the same cardiovascular system as a ninety five year old. Yeah. Um well, is that sunny? <laughs> Ask to speak up I'm wearing a towel. I was I was having a conversation the other day with somebody over why I um use still use uh solid spinning discs for my video recording and my storage devices given that SSDs now are quite cheap uh and much faster. So instead of having my RAID arrays that I have, I could simply use SSDs and this is the reason. Um, research suggests that solid-state drives have an inherent flaw. They lose data when they're left dormant in storage for periods of time. You're thinking, okay, fine, a few years, whatever. No. Um, we're literally talking a, a drive stored in a room at 25 degrees without power can last for about two years. If that's at 30 degrees, it's about a year. If the temperature goes up to... 40, up to 40 degrees. Which never happens in Queensland. In Queensland, yeah. It's <laughs> as little. Uh, at 40 degrees, the data retention is as little as 10 weeks without power. Nasty. Um, so, Important yeah, data, keep it on a solid hard, hard drive. Yeah, so don't use SSDs as data storage devices um in something it's okay in probably a pc where it's only going to be powered off but even in standby mode on a pc if the computer's plugged in they do get a, a trickle charge um but in laptop same thing but if you've got a laptop stored up without the battery in it you leave the battery out. and that's why if you store a new laptop if you store for a couple of weeks the battery's still flat and that's why because it, it keeps the trickle yeah so if you store your laptop without power, without the battery in it, which you are actually supposed to do, that is technically a correct way of doing it, especially if you're shipping it somewhere. Say you're shipping it to get fixed, you take the battery out because you're not allowed to ship lithium-ion batteries. Um, so you take the battery out, you ship the laptop, you do the right thing. It's sitting in the back of a truck at 65 degrees for three days till it gets to where it's going, and then it sits in the warehouse at 50 degrees for another couple of days, and they finally get around to looking at it. Um, that's quite possible by the time they get it, it's got no data left on that drive or, or 
at least corrupted data. Yeah. So uh, it's not all drives. Some brands and some types and styles are more susceptible to others than others. But um, they're saying especially things with the high-end performance drives such as Apple MacBooks um, tend to not suffer quite as much because they are a higher-end drive. They still do, um, but not as, not as badly. In, in average conditions, average situation, the data is designed to last about two years. That's why Apple um, don't go for cheap and nasty. Yeah, but I mean, even that's two years at what they call ambient, which is up to 30 degrees. So once again, once, for every five degrees you, you rise in temperature, it cuts the retention time in half. So at 30 degrees, it's two years. At 35 degrees, it's 12 months. At 40 degrees, it's six months. At 45 degrees, it's three months. 50 degrees, it's a month and a half. So you're down to six weeks just by storing it, say, in, the, in, you know, in your car. If you leave it in the boot of your car, That's it. so Toast. 60 degrees is, what, two weeks? 65 degrees is a week. 70 degrees is like three days. And it can easily hit 65, 70 degrees in a car. And that doesn't so, mean because you take it out in the afternoon and use it at home and then put it back <laughs> in the car that you've just cancelled out that and it starts again for another two weeks. You've used up this much already. There's only that much left. Yeah. So um, just something to be aware of, you know, for the average person, probably not a big deal. But uh, yeah, just, you know, just be careful. It is something if you are planning on using them as storage drives, like what we traditionally do with um, video recording. Video uses a lot of data. Uh, if you have a proper video setup where you're recording in RAW, so you have a dedicated video recording machine, you're recording in a RAW format, it's about a gig a minute. So a hundred, you know, a terabyte drive is only a thousand minutes. Um, no, hundred minutes. Hang on. No, a thousand minutes. Yeah. So if you're doing same, somewhere like Twit, for example. The Twit network, they they would do that in a day. They'd use a drive in a day, no no problems at all, probably. Um, and what they would traditionally do, once they've recorded it, is they'll pull that drive out and throw it on the shelf. You can't do that now. No. If you're using SSDs to record to, you can't do that. So just something to be wary of. It may be fast, but it's not long term. That's it. It'd be a great way to buffer it. If you wanted to record it to the SSD, that'd be great. And then copy it across just onto don't a storage drive. Forever. Yeah. <clears throat> Yep. Now, Telstra. Telstra, Good old Telstra, Telstra. Telstra. Gotta love Telstra. At least they stopped Wait. us getting an NBN. Gotta thank <laughs> yeah, them for that. Right. Exactly. Telstra's Asian telecommunications provider, PacNet data center, has been targeted in security breach some time ago, but they just figured it out now. Lucky. Better late than never, right? Right, hey? The breach occurred prior to Telstra taking ownership of PacNet, and Telstra was made aware of it on finalization of the purchase on April 16 this year. Group Executive of Global Enterprise Services, Brendan Riley, said Telstra had taken immediate action to protect against the security of the network once it was informed of the breach. Mr. Riley said the PacNet corporate IT network is not connected to the Telstra network and there was no evidence of any breach of the Telstra's network. We've had no contact from perpetrators, so we don't know the reason behind it. I'll tell you, it's because they could. That's the reason. <laughs> Or who was involved. Some kids these days. Telstra said the Australian Federal Police were a customer of PacNet and may have been affected by the data breach. Isn't that ironic to the max? But there's no evidence they took stuff. So There's no evidence they didn't. They probably didn't because they're good boys. 
Yeah, that'd be it. The AFP said in the statement that it was notified about this matter recently. The AFP has been advised that the breach was confined to the business operating network of PacNet. Therefore, it's assessed that no secure or classical, classical? classified material has been compromised, a spokesperson said. So. And speaking of Telstra, Telstra customers made more complaints about the service provider than any other telco users in the last well, three months. Colour me surprised. <laughs> Placing the company at the top of the, tel- uh, the complaints list for the first time in years. According to the TIO, which is the telecommunications it's actually got better than Vodafone? What? Uh, from, January, yeah, from January to March, Telstra customers made 14,830 reports. And that's just the ones that got through and couldn't be bothered <laughs> hanging the phone up because they're on hold for three hours. Uh, in the last three months, 10% increase in the previous quarter. However, compared to first three quarters of 2014, complaints of Telstra fell by 1%. Um, and then if you continue to read down here, it gives me somewhere. Optus um, continued its bad run with 44% rise in new complaints over the first three months. Go Optus! Um, and Vodafone, uh, where are we? It's, there's a thing in here about Vodafone somewhere. The number of complaints in telecommunication industry fell 8% overall. Um... Oh, where is it? I can't see it. But there's one in here saying how Vodafone, because they've actually, in the last few months, they have spent a bucket load on their network and really picking their... Another their better act- late than never. Yeah, well, that's it. But it's really paid off because they had, out of all the telcos, they actually had the lowest... Number of customers. Oh, sorry. Out of- <laughs> <laughs> well... I guess that stands to reason. Lowest I, I got a couple of techie friends and they said, man, we love Vodafone because there's no other customers on our cell tower. We get everything mm. super fast. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, my boss is, um, uh, my boss is, I'm sorry, I'm still trying to read the thing. My, my boss is with Vodafone and he has the same coverage as, well, as Optus at least and if not he actually has at work he's got I'm with Telstra and he's with Vodafone he's actually got better coverage at work than I do and if Um, people ask about like TPG and other stuff like that Virgin and things just remember they're all Optus there's only very few couple sprinkle of Telstra resellers nobody resells Vodafone everybody else is Optus well if you do want the coverage is Audi Audi do Telstra yep it's on the older bands, 900 and stuff like that. But Aldi's my um, my other work phone, which I thought I had here, but I don't. My old Note Two, yeah, it's um, it's with Vodafone. Did uh, they, sorry, did they with, switch on the next G Aldi. yet, or is it still 3G? Um, I know they were going to. Uh, they're going to. They're waiting for clearance from the communications to get the frequencies cleared up. Um, but yeah, my. This is my Note 3. This has got my Telstra card in it. My Note 2 has got my Audi prepaid in it. And Dad said, I can get signal a lot more places with my Audi card than I can with this because the lower frequencies travel better. Mm-hmm. Um, so especially indoors. Like if you go into a supermarket, I quite often can't get signal on this. And I can get it on my Note 2. Now, bear in mind the Note 2 actually has a smaller... In antenna, in the antenna, and these actually run the full length down both sides. Yep. In the Note too, they actually only run halfway down, so the aerial is only half as big, and I can get better signal. The Wi-Fi is not as good on the Note too. Like I can get my Wi-Fi signal on this, I can get right down to the backyard. On the Note too, once I leave basically the house, I don't get the signal anymore. So yep. that tells you the difference in the in the internal power of the, the signaling and stuff like that. But 
Signal-wise, I can't fault um, Audi. I've never had a dropout. I've never had a missed call because of it. I've never had um, signal issues. I've never had anything like that. So 850 megahertz for the win. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it makes sense though. If you if if you know how uh, radio frequencies work, you'll this understand. This way goes that... long and far. This way yeah. goes short. That's it. Eight hundred and fifty megahertz. Um, you know, is a fairly, relatively speaking, is a fairly flat wave. Um, so it tends to travel through walls and through buildings. Whereas you, especially once you get up into the gigahertz range, you have a very a very perpendicular wave. Which perpendicular? Yeah. An uppy downy wave, which um <laughs> goes like that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, that's it because it's so so vertical. Instead of traveling through walls, it just hits them and bounces off. So, if you ever tried to make a range repeater, you'll know exactly all about that. Trying to make a range repeater for a Wi-Fi, um, you soon learn that you can use basically chicken wire to bounce the signal with holes in it because the signal's so broad yep. that such a big thing can catch it. Whereas to use it for a lower frequency, you've got to use a a solid um, shape instead of what's that? I just had the word, then I completely lost it. The bowl shape has a word starting with P. Um, parabola. Parabola. That's it. I knew it right up to the second I was going to say it. Then it just went. Nah, that's it. I'm done. Do you get? I'm getting yeah, Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. So. A collection of tech industry giants, including Facebook, Google, and Apple and Microsoft, as well as civil liberties organizations and internet security experts, sent a letter to U.S. President Barack Obama on Tuesday, warning of the unintended consequences of any policy meant to weaken the encryption technologies that provide internet communications. The White House has been weighing whether to mandate that companies use only forms of encryption that provide law enforcement with the means to unscramble for access, a so-called backdoor. Critics in the technology industry are concerned that a backdoor for law enforcement in the United States would be a backdoor for everyone, including other governments and hackers. One Yahoo executive likened the proposal to drilling a hole in the windshield. We urge you to reject any proposal that U.S. companies deliberately weaken the security of their products, the letter to Obama said. We request that the White House instead focus on developing policies that will promote rather than undermine the wide adoption of strong encryption technology. Google, Facebook, Apple and other tech companies have been moving to encrypt customers' communications so that the government cannot monitor them without going directly to the customer. The company's efforts have been criticised by some in law enforcement who argue the tough encryption will stymie their investigations. Oh no! You wouldn't want your investigation stymied. No, that nothing worse than having a stymied investigation. <laughs> the White House is weighing a proposal in which parts of the key to unlock digital encryption would be held by the government, and part would be held by the companies. The system was articulated by Michael Rogers, director at National Security Agency, in a recent speech at Princeton University. He called for a compromise in the form of key escrow where the government would hold on to part of the encryption key and companies would hold on to the other. It would be secured with multiple locks, big locks. Bad idea. And here's the thing. Are US companies going to be able to sell devices and software products that have a backdoor that the US government can see into, but the other countries' governments cannot see into? Apple's been doing it for years, so I don't see why no one else should be able to. Hmm. Well, Apple have since thrown away those keys now because they got sick of being held, handed all of these uh, subpoenas and stuff saying, well, you can unencrypt it, so you need to, and 
BlackBerry had the same thing. They had to put hackable um, BlackBerry servers into third world countries where they wanted to monitor everything. So mm-hmm. it's like, uh, yeah, not a good idea if the US can look into your stuff, but your government can't. So also the problem is those governments would be oh. buying those products to install in their networks. Now the government, the US government can read all the stuff in there. Chinese networks and the Russian networks um, and everybody you else. You seem to think this isn't already happening. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to burst your bubble, but... Um, this is official. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's much in the same line of people don't think that your phone calls get tapped. Like, you know, I hate to break your, burst your bubble on that of one. Course it's not. happening it's for secure. 40 or 50 years. Yeah, so it's secure straight to them. <laughs> it's not, your neighbor can't hear what's going on, so that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's been happening. Look, what was it? Pakistan or something like that. They had a whole heap of BlackBerry servers, and the government went, "Hey, you need to open these up so we can read what's going through them." And they're like, "No." And they're like, "Okay, we won't use your servers." And they're like, yeah, "Okay, so they yes, just, we will." Yeah, they shut it down. They said, "Okay, fine. Take your pro- take your product out of our country." So they basically blocked anything BlackBerry. And then BlackBerry went, "Hmm, this is our only market left. We better." <laughs> <laughs> we better do something. Everybody about else got smart. <laughs> so, I mean, it's been happening for years. It'll continue to happen. Um, was it. Um, there's another country installed. Was it Russia or someone installed a whole heap of routers for another country to get. It was like in UAE or something. They, they got a massive contractor to install all these routers. And um, like seven years later. They're upgrading all these routers, and one of their techs went, hmm, I think these have been data logging. <laughs> and they were so, like, yeah. whoops, how did that happen? It was an accident, uh-huh. just like when Google drove around with their trucks and accidentally caught everybody's passwords and email and stuff from the Wi-Fi's. Yeah, that's it. You meant all the encrypted data. <laughs> encrypted. <laughs> all that, all the all, all one or two lines of code that they captured, yeah, that was a huge problem, there. Uh, honestly, if it was a choice between the government having my data or opt- or um, Google having my data, the Google Google can have my data. They got my data. That's it. <laughs> well, the Google's yeah, has that's it. right. They've already got it. But if if I had a choice and I was you, one of these two companies must control everything I do. Google thinks. <laughs> you ever have a look at that um, page you can go to on Google about yourself, and it shows locations where you've been based on yeah. the location data of your phone, and you can go to. What was I doing last Tuesday? And you can watch a map drawer of all the places that you walked to or drove to last Tuesday because the Google Location Services is pinging the Google servers constantly. And it's like, well, we don't use the data ourselves. It's just so if you're using an app and it's like, oh, you go past a shop, it can say, oh, there's a special in that shop or don't forget your milk or something. Those particular apps can do that. Uh, they record all of the stuff. So Google knows everything. Yeah, I'm actually just looking up mine now. I think I had that turned off, but I haven't done a factory reset on my phone since then. So, no, apparently I have no history. Ah, there you go. I don't exist on Google, apparently. <gasps> How I'm do you expect sure. to get good Google Now cards? Yeah, I know, I'll right? ask you. Um, that's really interesting, because I'm signed in. Yeah, I must have somehow deactivated that, and it actually worked. I had one problem, I deactivated Google Now because the setting for Google Now is synchronized between devices and my uh, Nexus 7 tablet 
by Asus from, uh, well, the Google one, from uh, 2012 when it upgraded to KitKat was slow as heck. And they said one of the things that are slowing it down is Google Now, so you can disable that on the tablet. So I disabled that on tablet. Then it was automatically disabled on my phone because Google synced that setting yeah. across. You can so, disable that sync too. But uh, now I don't use the tablet anymore, so I might as well just re-enable the Google Now stuff again. Speaking of Google Now, um, if you have a, a Galaxy S6 or an S6 Edge and you've noticed your battery life has been pretty pathetic, uh, turn off Google Now. Basically since, um, where is it, since April 23rd, there's been an issue with Google Now on those devices, on the Galaxy S6 or the S6 Edge. Um, and it hasn't worked. The Google Now feature hasn't been working correctly on those devices since then. Um, and apparently, the previous 18 months has been fine. Just something in one of the updates broke it. Google knows about it. They are working on a patch for it. Um, at the moment, there's not much you can do about it. Any phone that runs the Qualcomm processor is perfectly fine. There's no dramas at all. It natively supports the feature at chip level so there's no issues the s6 and the s6 edge run the samsung um uh, exynos processor which is their own processor but as it was working previously it's just slightly started to play up but I, I, there's a lot of reviews saying um they were gone from charging their phone every night to the phone lasting 36 hours or so on a single charge hmm. so um so you should have got an lg g4 go get lg they're great Samsung. So basically, um, yeah, so disable that feature, which honestly, it doesn't do anything for you anyway. For the average person, you're not going to use it. Just disable it. Uh, it's going to save battery life on any device to some degree, even if it's only a couple of percent, because it is one of the, it's like push notifications. It's always running. So it's certainly not going to hurt if you want to disable it anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, give it a go, see how it goes. Um, there has been a lot of people saying it's fixed fix the issues so the other thing you can do obviously across the board no matter what smartphone you've got um when you're you know depending on where you are disable wi-fi disable gps disable bluetooth um disable all like especially on the get on the um galaxies if you bring up your i've got this um, lovely little app called tasker and it detects when i get near home switches on wi-fi so i can use wi-fi and turns the volume up on notifications and phone ring when mm -hmm. I leave the house, it switches off the Wi-Fi when it detects I'm more than 100 metres away. When I get to the office at work, it switches on the Wi-Fi so I can use the office Wi-Fi and switches the uh, phone volume down to one and also notifications down to one so it doesn't disturb anyone in the office. When I leave yeah. the office, get a more than 100 metres away, it switches it all back up again and turns off Wi-Fi. That's it. And I've got the same thing. I use a similar sort of thing so it knows when I'm getting in my car so it activates Bluetooth. Um, I put this into the cradle and this activates the car mode, but it doesn't turn Bluetooth on by default. Ah, that's a shame. Um, it can, but I found it wasn't turning it back off when you took it out of the cradle. Ah, okay. So I used Task to turn it on, and then I don't have that issue. But you can see on a if you've got a if you've got a Samsung, you you can bring up all the different things you can turn on, everything from screen rotation, Bluetooth reading mode, mobile data blocking. Uh, power saving mode, when multi-window screen mirroring, Wi-Fi, SP, so NFC, Apple would say SU, that's too much choice and it just confuses you, so we uh, reduced it to two mode, settings. <laughs> um, smart stay, smart pour, smart scroll, sync, flight mode, oh, well, flight mode obviously disables all that, but every one of these you turn on uh, uses more power. So the more of these you've got off, 
like generally if I'm in real conservation mode, I'll basically have on, like when I was traveling up to Gympie last weekend in the train and I wanted to use my phone, but I didn't want to, you know, have to worry about charging it. Although I did actually have a portable charger. But anyway, <laughs> um, I basically used, it turned everything off except um, what, um, my, mobile data and, and sound was the only thing I left on. Everything else I had turned off. So, and my battery was fine. I only had to use like 20%. So it doesn't hurt anyway. If you are having battery problems, not that I've noticed, like the batteries are getting bigger and bigger in these things. This thing lasts me two days without even trying. The Note 4, my Note 4 that I've got that Sony's using, that lasts, that easily, I can put pull that on charge Friday morning, take it off charge, go away Friday all weekend, come back and throw it on the charger Sunday night. Not too so, bad, not too bad. Yeah, they... They seem to last pretty well, so they're definitely getting better. Yeah. Do you have any <laughs> stories to wrap up? Yeah, I got a couple. Um, I'm sure people have heard of Blade Runner. I mean, you know, what's that? Oh, it's it's Is that some newfangled thing made, that's just been released. Uh, I don't know. Some guy made a movie on it once, and things happened, and there was glass. That's all I can remember. I remember um, <laughs> that Diner was in it, wasn't it? Is that the Diner <laughs> yeah, so, from the movie? Yep. So a um, Mr. Werther said that he wanted to create an internationally inspired street food extravaganza. It would be a place where New Yorkers go to discover many of the destinations that Bourdain has brought into Bourdain hmm, has brought into our homes for the last decade. Um, the layout was more chaotic than current Hawkers Market found in New York. It's meant to be crowded and chaotic because that's what the Hawkers Centre should be. Uh, should activate all your senses. It's supposed to be a mashup of food styles, smells, tastes, and visuals. So basically, this guy's decided that he wants to. Oh, no, no, too. Wow, I keep forgetting it's that old. Um, he wants to basically start a cafe inspired by Blade Runner. Nice. Um, so that'll be pretty neat. We'll see how that turns out. Is he a replicant? Get... <laughs> yeah, probably. He looks like one. Um, unfortunately, it's going to be 2014, 2017 before that's open. Um, but the, also I was reading I was trying to find the story before the show started and I couldn't a guy in Melbourne wants to do the same thing oh so his is supposed to be up and open that's where I'll be going so, yeah that's right so um, there's a couple other just really nerdy stories that, that have to be mentioned um, the story I mentioned before that I'll probably go in deeper in uh, Old Fart Geeks the, the best pre-iPhone smartphones that was number one. Um, I so badly yeah. wanted that. Nokia N95, probably, Screw honestly. You three. In a lot of respects, still the best phone I've ever had. Um, battery life was amazing. Camera for the time, 5 megapixel camera was unheard of. 720 video recording. Had, as you can see there, the, the face slid in both directions. One side revealed a media play. You flick it the other way, it revealed a, um, a QWERTY keyboard. Bish Nokia um, ever? Yeah, it was it was amazing. It really was, and and Nokia's operating system at the time was still uh, was Symbian. No, what's it called? Um, I can't think what they called it. Tizen. But yeah, hey. Tizen. Uh, I can't think what it was, but yeah, at the time it was amazing. Like I was on three at the time, which their plans were great back then. But um, loved it, loved it a bit. Still probably my favourite phone. A mate of mine had the Nokia N ninety five. Um, which I never actually had. I it was basically a direct comp in direct competition to the to the um, not the N95, the N96. Sorry, 
I think it was. It was released about the same time as the N95. It was basically the same phone. It had the 5 megapixel camera. had all the same stuff that the N95 had. Uh, except it didn't actually work oh. very much. It <laughs> tended to overheat, lock up, break. Yeah. The, yeah that sort of started the death knoll for, for Nokia at that point. And it was only 12 months later. So they went from having a... Oh, yeah, it actually had a full GPS in it, not just an A-GPS, which was pretty amazing back then as well. Well, that was all right. They they would last because nobody would buy that stupid iPhone rubbish that some other company was bringing in. Oh, that's right. Um, the Nokia 3310 was the last, I guess, non... I guess candy bar phone, you'd call them. It was the last of that era. I think I had a 3210. The 5110 was the... the my first one yet. Mainstay. And I actually had a customer the other day ring up and ask for a battery for their 5110. And you said, <laughs> what? Yeah, we've got a stock because they're a standard battery. Ah. Yeah, nice. there's, they still use a lot of um, cheap... You said, no, what year is this? Yeah. A lot of cheap digital cameras still use them. A lot of um, in-car cameras. There's a lot of stuff still use that battery. So we had one in stock, but yeah, still had a fun fully functioning 5110. Then yeah, so you had the 3310. I had the 3320, I think it was, which was the same thing, but the face slid backwards and forwards like the Matrix. Oh one. yeah, yeah. Um, Nokia. And this N-Gage. one's this one's the uh, Picard one, isn't it? The Engage. Engage. Yeah. Number was, one. It was a great idea that failed in every aspect it was useless as a phone it was hopeless as a gaming device <laughs> and they could have had the game chip socket on the side perhaps instead of yeah. under the battery which meant you had to dis- disassemble oh. the whole phone just to swap swap games and man at the price on that it was something stupid it was like 800 dollars or something when every other phone on the market was 400 i look great concept poor execution it really that just killed Nokia something. Just killed them off completely. We've got our Motorola Razor. I even had one of these as a secondary phone. Is that the one My that biggest... had the iTunes on it? They put that on one of the Razors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no. Could hold a hundred songs. It had a media... It definitely had a media thing to it, but I can't remember what it was. My biggest gripe about this phone, and I don't know why, given that it came out the same time as the N95... It had a like a VGA camera on it. All oh, right. Good. The camera was appalling. That was my biggest complaint. I love the little front screen. It let you know what was going on. It was. It felt nice in the hand. It flipped really nice. So the flip never broke like the early Ericsons. Yep. Um. You know, but just the camera was just, and it only had like sixty-four meg internal memory or something. <laughs> it was just that was, they almost really well done. Uh, hip top. What the heck? Telstra's hip top. It was Telstra's version of the N-Gage, effectively. It was called something else overseas. Had a full quota keyboard with slide out. It came with MSN Messenger built in. It was uh, the first community phone. Basically, remember how Facebook tried to bring out a phone? Oh, yeah. yeah. This was kind of just before that. Uh, unfortunately, it really sucked. It was slow, buggy, crashed a lot. Um, tended to just fall apart really expensive didn't actually work um chewed battery a lot other than that it was fantastic <laughs> except for the <laughs> fact that it was crap it was great the uh sony ericsson k750i my mate had one of these and it was at the end of the era when these sort of phones were dying the candy bar phones it was at the end of life um 
but it was um the, the yeah the, that's right the next one down the w810 was the walkman phone this one just had the two megapixel camera i think had standard mp3 player 64 meg memory yeah That's but it used like proprietary it used a stupid memory stick duo proprietary sony crap but they had another attempt at it which this one is actually the walkman one the picture they're showing uh and it was actually the walkman the w series of phone and this was probably the last one they already released that was any good it had, still only had a two megapixel camera had virtual memory it still used the stupid duo memory but um it actually had really they went back to their roots they put really high quality audio components in it the audio of this phone through good headsets absolutely brilliant like it just nothing come close to the the audio quality of this thing and somewhere around here i've actually got a original walkman mp3 player it's 128 meg mp3 player and the same thing in that the audio quality of that thing absolutely amazing um just so clean so pristine you know that was the only thing going for it other than that it's pretty useless but i actually almost bought one i ended up buying the n95 instead but i nearly got that just because i was so blown away by the audio quality of that phone right it it had a hardware audio chip in it that actually could uncompress mp3s nice. so if you put a one a 64 or a 128 Mega um megabit, megabit, no, bit, bit. um, song on there. It would actually have the ability to uncompress it and restore a lot of that audio fidelity that you lost. Nice, brilliant. What's uh, this brand? Never heard of it before. Some, uh, I don't know. Is that a fruit? You know, oh, I it's, know. Some, it's like Apple. it's some brand that that some people use. I, copying I don't know. Apple, but um, BlackBerry. This is probably the last of their known phones was the pearl um the bold was, was terrible the company i worked for supporting the every time i'd have somebody ring up and go my blackberry's crashed i was like do you have the bold yes how did you know because i have to reflash the firmware in every single bolt every single blackberry bold in this company every week i had probably three or four of them i just have to reflash the firmware because you turn it on Java error. Turn it on. Java error. Reflash <laughs> it. Works fine. Turn it on. Java error. Um, the Pearl was the last of the really popular ones. Ironically, it was the first one to incorporate a lot of the multimedia stuff. It had a camera. It supported video playback, music playback. It had Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff built into it. So, strangely, it was their most popular device. It was also the last device that did any well any good so i'm not really <laughs> sure what happened there but i think yeah. the so, um the curve and the torch were not too bad torch was the touchscreen one i like the curve the curve had the keyboard didn't it hmm. yeah i quite like that one just because it had the keyboard i figure if you're going to have a big chunky device it might as well have a keyboard on it you know um briefly speaking of we're probably running way long but hey briefly speaking of um blackberry of course we all know the u.s president only is allowed to use BlackBerry because they're secure, they can lock them down, blah, 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 blah. That was until 18th of May. President Obama is now known as POTUS, and for those of you who aren't any good at anagrams, President of the United States. Just throwing that out there. Um, 
So, and of course, Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton was on the ball with that one. You know, welcome to Twitter. One question: Does the username stay in with the office? Asking, Asking for, for a friend. friend. <laughs> and as we know, Hillary, of course, is um, running for for that next. But uh, President Obama came right back. Good question, Bill Clinton. The handle comes with the house. No anyone interested? <laughs> in Flotus. Flotus. <laughs> First lady of the US. That's it. So, um, yeah, 840,000 followers in the first four hours. They he broke the actually, record for the most followers in the shortest time on Twitter. Yeah, he actually uses an iPhone to tweet with, which anybody who knows him <laughs> knows knows that's not unusual because he doesn't like the Blackberries. He actually was trying for the longest time to get the iPhone through. They have allowed it. It's under lock and key, basically, unless he wants to use it for sending a tweet or something like that. He can't carry it on him because, as you know, they can be traced and tracked and that sort of stuff. But they do have one where one of his handlers basically give it to him and go, here you go, make your tweet and, and things like that. Um, but uh, it, it's actually him. He does the tweeting. There's no, no, none of his handlers, nothing that. Everything that's on that account's his. And I do have to admit, I'm not a big fan of him in general. There's not much I can stand about him. The one thing I do like is the way his description is actually put up on Twitter. He describes himself as a dad husband and a 44th president of the united states in, in that order. order so i'm actually quite impressed with that if he means it if he doesn't i don't know um it's all marketing but, right yeah, well i mean that's how he got into power in the first place that's what they do so more marketing that's his job but if that's legit good luck with him i hope he hope he does well they are saying that he does uh try to well obviously there's millions of tweets getting sent to potus but he does try to spend like a few minutes a day because that's all he really can afford going through it and he does apparently reply to some tweets so and block a lot of trolls oh man are there trolls on twitter nah never heard of that i don't would would they be called trolls it's not really i had somebody at work today learned out what trolls were because somebody had said is so and so (laughs) trolling he's like what the hell does that mean so i had to explain it for him a couple of quick Such ones I'll quickly get through people. before we wrap it up. Um, of course, we now have LG now has a 99-inch, because apparently 100-inch was too bad, um, TV that, as you can see, it literally just rolls out onto your wall. It is, uh, well, the 55-inch one you're seeing here, it's an OLED screen. It's 0.97 of a mil thick, so it's less than a millimeter thick. Nice. It weighs 1.9 kilos. And yes, that's actually it there. You can see her rolling it onto the wall and sticking it onto the wall. Um, so that's up there in the yes, please, I'll take seven category. Um, because, After you I win mean, the lottery. Could you imagine that in a 99-inch size <sighs> and then deciding, hmm, I need a bigger screen, so then you get another, like, seven. <laughs> It'll be you. It. It's you all <laughs> over. <laughs> I know, right? KFC, speaking of uh, all things geek, have just um, basically their mats that you, you know, the mats they put on the bottom of the trays to keep the trays clean because plastic trays are hard to keep clean, um, are now Bluetooth keyboards. So while you're eating your Zinger Burger, you can use a Bluetooth keyboard, which is spaced really, really weirdly. And um, (laughs) I'm sorry, I just noticed that. If anybody's looking at the, the live... I'll zoom in on How that. do you type it? I type on Have that. a look at the look at the layout of that keyboard. What is with that? Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so 
So yeah, if you order yourself a, a I was going to say a Big Mac, but those other things that KFC sell, um, you can get yourself a blue. And I was I was thinking to myself, I wonder how many no how many of these go missing. And I was reading the review, and it said in the first opening week, every single one was taken home. I wonder why that was. <laughs> Gosh, that's strange. Uh, also, the, the first moment, thing I thought of. It's only available in Germany, which is kind of annoying. But uh, and will no longer be available anywhere. To, anywhere else in the world. Due to the cost. The, you, you can get eat in, but it's cost you it's a fifteen dollars surcharge for eating in now. <laughs> so when you're actually in the um, restaurant, what are you Bluetooth typing to? To your phone. That's you on the bench connect it to your phone so you can type to your friends. I am yeah. eating KFC and typing on a KFC mat. Yep. Lol. That's it. R-O-F-T-L. In the, um, you know, talking about how we've now got all these streaming video, we've got Stan, we've got all these ones that have popped up. Um, Spotify, <clears throat> who we all know and love. Go doing... Spotify. Yeah. They're basically now expanding into podcasting, Us. which great for us they're also doing news radio which is you know your normal radio commercial radio stations and they're getting into video streaming which i reckon is really cool um so they're going to basically compete with netflix presto stan foxtel it's strange there's no comma in there guys you kind of screwed up um so that'll be interesting there's no yet no word on pricing or anything like that um it'd be neat if they had a free service like they do with spotify you have that certain limited um, free that Mates. they have, and then of course you have the the paid. Yeah, that's it. And then you have the paid service after that. So that'd be pretty cool if that was a thing. Um, which I mean, it will, it will be a thing. It's just a matter of when that gets rolled out. And the last little tidbit I have, which I know some people that really need this. People have a habit of random texts and impulse buying when they're drunk. <laughs> So why not combine two of your favourite sports? <laughs> so this is only available in the States at the moment, but it's, I can see it's going to happen over here. So if you send a text message to Hey or 513378, um, you sign up to the service. The way the service works is that every Saturday at 2am, they'll send you a random text message for random crap, which is awesome because in this one here, you can have a Nessie spoon uh, like a ladle that looks like knock the Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster when you're ladling your soup. 16 bucks, got to buy it, done. Also, you can have a giant piano that you can put on your floor, 100 bucks. Like the movie Big. So Are you watching want. Tom Hanks and you're drunk? Yeah, oh, amazing, right? What's and the product called? Drunk shopping. Uh, yeah, that drunk shopping. It describes itself as a shopping experience that delights in sloppy judgment. <laughs> <laughs> that's where amazon get a lot of their sales by now right yeah so drunk people um, at 2am i really hope this this becomes a thing over here somebody who's got a few million bucks start this up will you because i'm in <laughs> like to see the posts on websites man you should see what arrived on my doorstep this morning from amazon when i ordered <laughs> when i was so high on the weekend it was i didn't uh, know it was coming surprise <laughs> yeah i didn't even know i ordered it <laughs> so I did that um, not drunk shopping just shopping in general completely forgotten of order stuff on eBay because yep. coming from China it takes like six weeks to get here and then all of a sudden you're like oh. what's that <laughs> what? what hang on it's... at least you open yours not like somebody else we know 
Um, there's one of those. Why do I? What is that? I have no <laughs> I idea. That for something. <laughs> I it's obviously something I really, really needed three weeks ago. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. That's the problem. Usually, by the time you get it, you don't need it anymore, or you've bought another one. You completely even forgot that you did. The thing, actually, they turned up today. They're survival. You know, um, paracord. Yep. You hear paracord. The people use it for their shoelaces and stuff because it's holds like two hundred kilos for a strand of this stuff. But these things are called survival bracelets. So they go around. They're they're woven paracord, and they've got a little D shackle on one side that locks into the other one. So. And the D shackles like 200 kilo load rated as well. So basically, you've got an emergency kit. So you've got 20 meters of paracord and a little D shackle. So if you ever need to get, pull yourself up a cliff, you're sorted. <laughs> and that's uh, episode 438 of the Aussie Tech Heads with Australia's number two, the top two Australian podcasters. Who can't speak, but hey, that's <laughs> You can follow our show on Facebook at facebook.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, on Twitter, twitter.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Watch the videos on YouTube, youtube.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. You're picking up a theme here. Or visit the website, aussietechheads.com.au, brought to you Is by it, 88 Yeah. We'll <laughs> <laughs> catch you all again next week. See you later. Bye. 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 Bye.